When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daily Thrones is on there here. Thank you for all who participated and listened. Uh, the weekend edition focusing on Jamie Lannister. A lot of fun talking about it and uh, coming up with the mo- moments. And uh, we, we'll see what you guys think about my five Jamie Lannister moments. And maybe we'll have some follow-up discussions on your thoughts. I was reading the news of a Game of Thrones type, as I often do. On Watchers on the Wall, love going over there, support them if you can. And they ran, uh, you know, a little story that was, uh, I believe in GQ, about Liam Cunningham talking about what uh, his f- actual first audition was for Game of Thrones. Of course, he's being a little coy, being a little secretive. He won't say what it was. He says that he was initially brought in for another role. He won't say it because he says it's not fair to the actor who has the role now. And uh, who, you know, who is that mystery character? I don't know. Who do you guys think Sir Davos would have also played? I think contenders, candidates, choices are... I'm going with... Oh, I'm thinking hard. I think Stannis Baratheon might have been a choice. I could see that. That often happens, too. An actor brought in to read for one role and is sometimes cast in the role opposite that part. Maybe they saw something in his uh, tests and his auditions and his uh, uh, test footage there that just made him think, yeah, he's got more of a kind heart to him, a kind soul emanating through those eyes. Let's make him the Onion Knight, not the stern Stannis Baratheon. But... Could there be other choices? I think so. In a weird way, just going on type, uh, age, wherever, whatever you want to say that would make you think this. I, I actually think it's possible that Peter Baelish could have been a role that Liam Cunningham was brought in for. And I actually think Ned Stark is another possibility. Um, not knowing any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, I don't know. Maybe they went straight to Sean Bean, but I could see... I could see Liam Cunningham pulling it off, pulling it off because, again, he's got a warmth to him. Uh, that's what comes out in Davos. And, yeah, actors aren't the characters they play, but you kind of, you know, and, they, and you would trust him to have the ability to play against type. But there's just something about him, especially with the full beard. I don't know. So there's something fatherly about him. And I could see Liam Cunningham as Ned Stark. Now, now, I think as with most castings, it works out the way it's supposed to work out. Uh, it would be it'd be like Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. We wouldn't have known any other way, but you can't imagine that now. It's just Harrison Ford to the end of time. That's a possibility. As for as Peter Baelish, yeah, I can think. You know, Aiden Gillen was definitely younger than Liam Cunningham at the, at the start of the series, uh, but uh, I could see I could see Liam pulling that off, being a little sly, not out and out evil like a Tywin Lannister. And I think he was too old, too gruff to be a, uh, you know, Jamie Lannister type, obviously. But something about Peter Baelish being cunning and, uh, you know, working behind the scenes in the shadows. I could see Davos pulling that off. What do you guys think? I think the best choice would be 
Stannis Baratheon, but there might be other choices there as well. I also enjoyed Liam Cunningham just saying he misses Stephen Delane. Stannis Baratheon. They used to walk around uh, practicing, practicing their lines. People wouldn't bother them. Fun story there. And yeah, Stephen Delane, he's, uh, he's Stannis in real life at times. A little grumpy, a little intense. Uh, admits now he didn't understand the story, but how he does say in that story going back, Stephen Delane uh, talked about that just a few months ago. He did mention that uh, Liam Cunningham would be the person he'd lean on to to understand the story and understand the scene. So to hear Liam Cunningham now say that, I, you know, I miss walking around with him in the parking lot rehearsing our lines. It's kind of cool. It all connects up. Stannis and Davos, ride or die to the end. Hey, Ken, you, you named a lot of really great Jamie moments. Those would all be on my list. But I thought of another one, and it's during Tyrion's trial when Jamie goes to Tywin and pleads for Tyrion's life and even offers to do what Tywin wants, to take his place at Castle Rock and, you know, give up everything, not be a member of the Kingsguard, willing to sacrifice, his, I guess, his relationship with Cersei and just do what he has to do to save Tyrion and because Tywin agrees to let Tyrion go to the Wall and live. And I think that really was... Uh, a pretty heroic moment uh, for Jamie to, you know, sacrifice a lot to save his brother. Doing some follow-up to the Jamie Lannister greatest hits. And, Eric, I think that's a great mo- moment you mentioned. It's actually one that floats under the radar a lot about Jamie Lannister best-of lists and big moments. Uh, the, the list I had, I think, is actually, to be honest, I think has some of the obvious ones and sometimes the obvious Answer is the answer. It's something I, I, I do believe. But your moment here of Jamie going to his father, going to Tywin and saying, I will um, I will strike this deal with you and, uh, you know, do it to save Tyrion shows the base level of uh, love and respect Jamie has, that connection, the same connection that would lead him to freeing Tyrion just a little while later, though that would come back to maybe haunt Jamie from a certain point of view. But also to work with his father, and, and, and I think he loves and respects his father on some level. But I, I wonder how deep that is. It might be just out of a sense of duty, sense of loyalty, sense of habit that he has a love and a respect for his father. I think he's smart enough to realize his father was the reason for a lot of the Lannister family problems, or at least the problems of the offspring. And I don't think some of the stuff Tywin ever did to Tyrion sat well with Jamie. So I also think that moment shows a lot about Jamie going to work with Tywin and going to give him what he wants, uh, to give, give uh, Tywin... Jamie is the heir again to send him back to Castle Rock. Uh, that's important. It's tremendously important for Tywin, but it shows again that Jamie's willing to do that and again willing to essentially give up Cersei and, and incur the wrath of Cersei. Where that was coming from at that point at the end of season four, I don't really know. Could it be that Jamie was trying to get back at Cersei at that point? Their relationship, their love-hate relationship at times. It, it, it's, it's, it'd be amusing if it wasn't so deadly for a lot of other people around them. Uh, because, uh, you know, I think Jamie spends a lot of season five on that planned mission to Dorne 
which comments about the the bad dorm plot on the show aside, it just was a a Jamie trying to please Cersei, uh, trying to do her bidding, trying to win her love back. And a lot of it's because of what he did here at the end of season four. So that's why this decision to go to Tywin, to strike this deal, to free and help Tyrion in a way, um, also I think was motivated a lot by his uh, hate of Cersei and his love of Cersei at the time. All of it kind of didn't pan out for Jamie, But the effort was there, the moment was there, the intent was there to do something for his brother that wasn't necessarily good for him. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. Uh, Warg War One makes all the sense in the world, especially during the Siege of Winterfeld, when, we, when I've always theorized that it's the Night King trying to assassinate Bran. So Bran will be warging through all the various undead, uh, saving people. You know, someone's about to die, Bran sees it, jumps in, and, and saves the day, and then the Night King is doing it back and forth. But Bran will be losing, and so his last warg will be to the Mad King. And that's when he's screaming to Jamie, burn them all, burn them all, burn them all, setting up Plan B. You and I have talked about that privately. This particular question tends to bring that end, that end aspect uh, to the forefront now for this type of question, and... Uh, ultimately, the Night King wins the the Battle of Winterfell, uh, but Bran sets up Plan B. That's how I think Bran goes out. Thanks. All right, guys, let's keep talking about Warg War One, which is the term we're talking about. The idea that maybe this final season will include a battle between the Night King and Bran, in which the their powers on full display and in full need. We need Bran to step up in this. Kevin's calling in with the thought here that this ties into his theory of Plan B. If you don't listen to Kevin and his Station 3 cocktail questions, you might have heard him here talking about Plan B. It is uh, basically the idea, and I'm summarizing greatly, that uh, they will, in order to destroy the White Walkers and the Whites and the Army of the Undead, you'll need to trap them in King's Landing. Maybe use some of that wildfire there and burn them, burn them all. And this might have something to do with the Mad King in the sense of Bran going back in time and using uh, his warging time warping abilities uh, and, and, and tying it all up there. It is a wild harebrained theory, which is the kind of theories we love here on Daily Throne. So... That's kind of the idea, so I could see this. And, and and Kevin puts in there that this could be the way Bran goes. Does Bran die at the end of this series is a great question. Does he live on to be the three-eyed raven, the three-eyed crow, buried in some other tree? That's possible. That's what I think would happen if there wasn't a big giant war afoot. But yeah, could Bran use maybe even like a Luke Skywalker kind of mind powers, force powers, uh, times ten? And sacrifice himself in some some final situation here, some final uh, standoff with the Night King. I I could see that in some way. Again, this is a wild theory. I just the reason I like this Plan B idea. I I just can't see a siege of Winterfell or a siege of King's Landing just being it. I don't see this battle ending easily. Even though we only have six episodes to get through this, and they're long episodes, I know, but we only have six episodes to get this story told. I still see several battles happening. At least that's what I want, and I try to temper my expectations, especially going into this final season. But I want a big battle. 
at several different spots, is what I should say. So a siege of Winterfell, a siege at Harrenhal, a siege of the Vale, it doesn't matter. I think it does all end up at King's Landing, so I could see this idea now uh, coming to fruition. But connecting Bran to the past, we've seen it already. We've seen it a few times and on a major scale with Hodor. So that's been talked about before. People theorize the Mad King saying, burn them all, burn them all. Could it have been the whisperings of Bran the entire time making him go mad? That's something I'm totally on board for. I, I want to I keep the space-time continuum in one straight line here in Game of Thrones. But it's already been established that Bran's uh, present-day self can affect things in the past, which then, again, affects things in the future. So, I don't know. It's a wild theory. This War War One though is intriguing to me, which is why I want to keep discussing it. It's a wild theory. Is this battle not so much John and Danny versus the Army of the Undead, the Army of the Dead, the Army of the Whites? Is it also about the Night King and Bran using their full powers in a final showdown? What do you guys think? Wild theory time here on Daily Throne.